I invite you to take your Bibles, turn the scriptures to Luke chapter 6. I'd like to also add a reading from Luke chapter 10. But let's begin with Luke 6. This is in connection with the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. In the afternoon services, we make our way steadily through the various doctrines, and one of them is the Ten Commandments, the sixth in particular we're looking at, and we're turning to Luke 6, beginning at verse 24. This is um, an equivalent, I think, in many ways of the Sermon on the Mount, except it's probably called the Sermon on the Plain. Maybe it's the second time that Christ preached the same sermon. So you have Luke 6, verse 24. Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away, from your, uh, takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those who, from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Let's turn to the familiar story in Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Beginning at verse 27. Maybe the beginning of the paragraph is verse 25. So Luke 10, verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer, a teacher of the law, really, he stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What's your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from, Jericho to, from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and de departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. 
On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Let's turn to to the back of the songbook. We have the Heidelberg Catechism printed there. Lord's Day 40 is our confessional reading for today. Page, six, uh, page 555 in the back of the songbook. What does God require in the sixth commandment? I am not to dishonor, hate, injure, or kill my neighbor by thoughts, words, or gestures, and much less by deeds, whether personally or through another. Rather, I am to put away all desire of revenge. Moreover, I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself. Therefore, also the government bears the sword to prevent murder. But does this commandment speak only of killing? By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder, such as envy, hatred, anger, and desire of revenge, and that he regards all these as murder. Is it enough, then, that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? No. When God condemns envy, hatred, and anger, he commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to show patience, peace, gentleness, mercy, and friendliness towards him, to protect him from harm as much as, he, as, he, as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. Following the sermon, we're going to sing Psalm 33, and it's verses 1, 3, and 6. Congregation loved by Jesus Christ our Lord, as we work our way through the commandments, we are a lot like the people long ago. This can be very dangerous. We might read and hear the Ten Commandments, and be unmoved, unchanged. And as an example of the danger, you could think of that rich young ruler that came up to Jesus, and he's asking about the law, and Jesus says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and that rich young man was fine on the surface level of the law because he had not murdered And he had this clever way that we all have, is redefining the law. What do do these words mean, actually? You shall not murder. Does that just mean murder? You shall love your neighbor. What do you mean my neighbor, he's asking? Because I love my neighbors. And so that rich young ruler happened to not be touched by the law of God anymore. He had grown a layer of callous around his heart. He was thinking that he could keep the law. And he was, in a human perspective, in a human way, he was able to keep the law because it never challenged his heart. And at the end of the day, he could only thank himself. He has managed to do what any human could do. Good job. I didn't hate my neighbor. I loved my neighbor. He had just reworked what the word neighbor meant. 
It didn't mean the Samaritan. It didn't mean all those guys that disagreed with him who who were not uh, loving God the way he was. Redefining a word here and there meant the law of God was not touching his heart. And if it's not touching his heart, how can he repent? How can he call out to the Lord? How can he say, Lord, will you forgive me? I have failed you. How is he going to say, Lord, I need a new life. I need your Holy Spirit. I need you to transform me. No, the law was useless for him. He'd grown a thick layer of protection by redefining the words. Maybe we do that too, because as I approach this, you shall not murder, I'll introduce you to the name enemy, the word enemy. Who are your enemies? And this might be a little difficult because If you've defined enemy in such a way that it only involves people who come from another country, let's say Nazi Germany, and they come with guns and are going to take over, then loving your enemy as yourself will be quite easy over the next years as long as we don't have Nazis coming over to take over our country. But what if an enemy is someone very close to you? And what if they don't all seem all that bad, they're just really annoying? What if enemies are those who don't really care about you very much? What if they're in your own family? What if enemies are those people maybe you're married to, a husband and a wife? What if they're your own children or parents? What if they're your own church members? It really depends depends on how we define enemy. So when you hear this command, you shall not murder, let's dig deeper. The point is that we would cry out to Christ, that we would seek the Lord's help, and that if, by God's blessing, we come away loving our enemies, then we know who to thank, not ourselves. If we come away changed, eager to love from the heart, then we know how to thank the Lord for that, because that certainly does not come naturally to any one of us. God has given the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. And you might be thinking of the board game Clue and and the ways that you can murder with a candlestick or maybe a pistol or a rope or what else was it, a wrench or lead pipe. That's not really how we murder these days. There's very gentle ways to murder nowadays. Like the Samaritan on the side of the road, beat up. Just leave him where he's at. A very gentle, very polite form of murder these days. That's how you leave your enemies where they are. Congregation, would you like to be changed? Would you like to cry out to the Lord for help? Because let's dig into this commandment a bit more and realize that if we're irritated by someone, if you're annoyed by someone, I mean, you just think about this. Every family has it. You have brothers or sisters. You could think of the last five minutes. You, you were probably annoyed. Even as you filed into church, somebody tripped you up. Somebody offended you. And uh, this commandment speaks to every single one of us. The Lord Jesus Christ brings you this commandment so that you would seek Him, so that you would cling to Him.
that he would change you. You do have enemies. And if you're willing to listen to it, these are enemies close to yourself, close to home. Sometimes they're hurting you on purpose. Sometimes they have no idea how much pain they produce. Who are your enemies? That's the first point I really wanted to bring across here. And it's not the wartime ones that you always think about. Often in the Bible, they are war and wartime enemies. Soldiers from Rome taking over the land of Palestine. That's who Jesus Christ would speak to the crowds. And they'd immediately think of their official political enemies. The Romans. You could... You could think more in, along the teachings of the Lord Jesus and the Apostle Paul. Who are your enemies? You could think of the devil, the world, and your own flesh. Your sinful nature. But we read Luke 6. And maybe you still have Luke 6 open in front of you. But there are a couple ways you can see who enemies are as Jesus Christ preaches to the crowd. Love your enemies, Luke 6, verse 27. Do good to those who hate you. Okay, that's, that's the first part of the definition. An enemy is someone who hates you. Verse 28. Bless those who curse you. All right. Cursing, that's, that's the way somebody uses words. An enemy is, son, is someone who curses you using words and expressions wishing evil upon you. And maybe a very nice way that someone in your own family has done this or someone in church has done this, they said, get lost. That's a form of murder. That's what enemies do. Very nice kind of enemy, though. And then verses 28 to 29 speaks of those who spitefully use you or the other word would be abuse you and strike you on the cheek who takes away your cloak. So your enemy is, as you hear Jesus speak this, your enemy is not some official, politically recognized enemy of the state. It's someone who troubles you. Someone who causes you hurt. Someone, possibly, from your own household. And I need this to be clear because most certainly you can think of an enemy in your own family, in your own church your own community, up and down the road that you live on. Because if it's not clear what Jesus is talking about, you're going to miss the point. We're all going to miss the point that if you think you have no enemies, you deceive yourself and you give yourself permission to be rude and angry and unforgiving and spiteful. If you think you have no enemies, you don't call those irritating people enemies, then you have no idea what Jesus is talking about here. The sixth commandment. You're going to miss the point that if someone wrongs you, if someone hurts you enough that you feel it and you just can't ignore it, you should call them an enemy. Just so you know what word Jesus is using. And it might sound odd, right? You think of your neighbor, your coworker, your spouse, your teacher, your student, your yeah, father, mother, child, brother, sister. These are the enemies we are to love. These are the enemies we are to bless. So my first point, we start out with this. You might not want to call them enemies. Maybe that's not the, 
the way we should go with this, but the Lord Jesus has called them enemies. You have them. And if you name them what they are, now you can love them. Now you know what Jesus Christ is talking about when he says don't murder, but love instead. They're not imaginary people on the other side of the world. These are real-time things. You can do this today at work and at school and at home. Put this into practice this week. Call them enemies, as Jesus does. People you would rather walk, leave beside in the ditch, wherever they are, that way they don't bother you, you don't have to see them. What do we do now? Hopefully you follow this, that the Lord Jesus used words, a word like enemy to describe those who irritate you, those who annoy you. But what should you do? Our Lord Jesus, here's our second point. What should you do? Our Lord Jesus lists a few things. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Offer the other cheek. Don't withhold your tunic either. There's a lot there. Quite a list. And this is how the Heidelberg Catechism will get this. Um, is it enough then that we do not kill your neighbor in any such way? Like thoughts, words, gestures, envy, hatred, anger. No. The answer, when God con condemns envy, hatred, and anger, he commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to show patience, peace, gentleness, mercy, friendliness towards him, to protect him from as much harm as possible, and do good even to our enemies. So here's the point. You have not been keeping the sixth commandment just because you haven't murdered somebody with the pistol or the candlestick or the lead pipe. Unless we wish things would go well for our enemies, you're not getting the gospel. You're not getting the sixth commandment understanding it. Unless you pray for your enemy, someone you, who laughed at you when you were hurting, when you were down, you don't really get the message of the scriptures. That God loved you while you were his enemy. Remember how he starts the Ten Commandments. I loved you while you were slaves in Egypt. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Referring to the idol idolatry and sin. You used to serve idols. And I did good to you. And I blessed you while you were my enemy. The Lord puts ugly people, careless, rude people, people that hurt you and offend you, He puts them in your life. These are your enemies. If you want to use the word that way, these are your enemies. Are you going to try reflect who your Father is in heaven? Are you going to try be whole and perfect and fair like your Father in heaven? It's pretty difficult. Because by nature, you mutter things under your breath, don't you? Even when I'm driving, I lack patience with other people. By nature, you tell them to get lost. By nature, you'd hide your things so that they can't take them, they can't borrow them. By nature, you would fume. Who are you fuming about right now? 
Who sucks the joy out of your life right now? Because here's the Lord Jesus Christ at God's right hand, sending you irritating people. Will you be like me? Jesus Christ says. Will you be like your Father in heaven? Because it's like the Lord Jesus puts people in your life along with that bold print sign. Remember Cain had a sign or some sort of symbol on his back? Do not murder. Do not wish somebody dead. Instead, bless this person. It's an interesting command to bless someone. And think about what that means. Maybe we use the word, I use the word bless so often, I don't always think of what it means. If I look it up, in the original language, it's made of two words compounded together. So, good word. That's to bless. To good word somebody. To good word your enemy. That God's favor would be upon them. That God would make things work out well for them. So if you really love your enemy, you're saying, I really want life to go well for you. So think about your enemy who, who has hurt you and no doubt hurts other people as well. The instinctive thing is to murder that person in the most gentle, polite way a Canadian could. The instinctive thing is to murder that person by letting them be. You're treating them as if they're dead. Don't even say hello. And maybe you want to immobilize that enemy of yours so you can do things like speak against that murder, that, that offender. You pull out all the records of wrong that you know and you tell others about how evil and how bad that person is. You immobilize them because then you get the whole community to hate them just as much and we all leave them on the side of the road like that Samaritan, um, like the the Jew in that story of the Samaritan. This is our instinct, to render our enemy powerless with our thoughts, words, and actions. That's our old nature. But what does our Lord Jesus Christ say? Bless your enemy. Bring good favor upon them. Pray for them that things would go well for them. You know, sometimes a husband and a wife, they're, they're having a really difficult marriage. They hardly get along and one of the first questions I would ask with a, uh, ask a husband or a wife and say, how are you praying for your spouse? Not, I, I could start with the question, are you praying? Because that's already a challenge. But how are you praying that the Lord would bless the one that you're married to? To bless is to bring before God this other person. Let me try to illustrate this with an example of biology and pain. You think about pain, the way our bodies are wired for pain. There's an awesome design of God that saves us from leaving our hand on a hot stove, for example. We sense pain and we pull our hands away. Amazing neural network that God has made. A whole central nervous system to bring reports of pain to our spinal cord or eventually to our head. And this is the point that we need to see. To bless someone, to pray for someone, you need to bring that signal, 
That's, that's what prayer is. Bringing the signal, that pain signal, up to your head, your true head, the head of the church, Jesus Christ. And I think children do this instinctively, right? Children, when you're hurting, first thing you should do is tell your mom or dad. You're telling someone who's bigger than you. You're going above yourself. Someone you trust and you say, you, can, you, you know what's happened? This is what happened. You tell them. Now, as adults, do you forget to do the same? To truly bless someone, you need to report the offense to the Lord. Lord, you saw what happened, right? You heard it. You were there. And Lord, you, you know the full, the full story, the whole picture, and you know how to judge properly. Do not murder means bringing your enemy before the throne of God. It means bringing the gospel to yourself. Making, uh, this, this has to live from the gospel. That what is your only comfort in life and death? I'm not my own. I'm not closed in. A closed system. But I have a head. I belong to Jesus Christ, my head. I report incidences to him. All my offenses go to him. Let him interpret and judge my pain. And we have, I have an example of this. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, you remember how the early church is going and there's persecution going on? All that persecution goes up because the church cries out. People are being killed by their enemies. And, and the cry goes up to Jesus Christ at God's right hand. You know, the Lord Jesus meets Saul before he's called Paul. He meets Saul on the road to Damascus and Jesus says this, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? This is your head. The head of the church is speaking. Why do you persecute me? Jesus Christ is in glory right when he speaks. And it's his people. He knows his sheep. And they have been persecuted. You're connected to Jesus Christ by faith. So you shall not murder. What does it mean? Well, start with this. It means you will hurt. You will be in pain. You will probably live with enemies. Work with enemies. But listen, Jesus Christ says, you were never meant to handle the pain on your own. How about praying? How about looking for help? Trust in me. If you want to not murder, use the next offense that you experience. The next rude person. Use that event to look to Christ and send the signal to His throne. Pray to the Lord. Lord, did you just see what happened? Lord, how can I bless such a person? I want things to go well for that person. I'm tempted to really lash out. So congregation, I'd like to bring it to a close, but first of all, maybe it's a, a stretch for you to call people close to you 
Maybe in your own family, in your school, at work, and church. Maybe it's a stretch for you to call them an enemy. But if you do, in a very nice way, you now know what it means that Jesus is saying, love your enemy. It's those people close to you. And you're going to have to dig deep beyond yourself, outside of yourself, to love someone like that. You're going to have to cry out to God to love your enemy. And if you're loving your enemy, if you've called out to God and you experience love for your enemy, you actually feel it in your heart too, then, then you know you've got to be thankful. You're thanking God because He has worked something that comes to only believers. He's worked a love for your enemy that only comes through the Holy Spirit. So thank Him for the love for your enemies. Amen.